right, guys. Welcome to episode 69 of the True Patriot Podcast. And we are very honored and happy to have tracked down Brandon Thornhill, a uh, former Navy SEAL. I think he's a real Navy SEAL. <laughs> um, yeah. And he's a uh, kind of entered the entre- entrepreneurial space. And uh, I think you're doing some coaching, got your own podcast and uh, doing a lot of things. So we're happy to have you on, man. And first and foremost, I guess, you know, thank you for your service and thank you more so right now for your time. I mean, that's the most valuable asset we all have, I believe. And I uh, appreciate you coming on. No, guys, thanks for having me on. You know, it's it's funny you say, I think he was a real Navy. So I guess we always have to verify now huh? you know, after, <laughs> after what just happened. I mean, talk about crazy, but right. yeah. So, so um, it's nice to, ha- nice to be on guys. Yeah. I was going to say, should we just start off by talking about the Ben thing a little bit? I mean, that's kind of how we're connected. It's kind of what made this happen. It's, it's so weird, but I feel like it, I want to, I, I kind of feel like we should get, get through it. And then I never want to, speak his name again but <laughs> yeah sure i mean do you want me to tell the story or like because i don't yeah. i don't want to bash i'm not i'm not here to bash a dude but you know i know, I know that your followers heard him on a podcast yeah. that you guys had talking about how he was a navy seal purple heart yeah you know, so here, here yeah here's a story i met these guys on social media you know craig and um i saw that ben had a podcast with him and i started following you and i knew you're out of columbus you know, yeah. I grew up uh, right outside of Marysville. I was just telling you guys, it's a small school, went to a small school called Triad out, out of North Lewisburg, Ohio. And um, so I was like, oh, dude, let me hit this guy up just to say hi, like might as well connect with him, you know, and then here we are, but on different circumstances, because I, I ended up messaging you, if you guys, for all the followers out there, I messaged him to let him know that Ben was on the podcast, but he was actually a fraud. I found out. Yeah. So the story goes the story goes like this, man. I met Ben back in 2021. Again, I'm not here to bash anybody. I'll give you guys some some of my advice on and my beliefs on <laughs> on, on just the whole the whole situation. But the story is I met him in like 2021 or something like that, 2022, beginning of it. And you know, it's very easy to believe that he was a SEAL. I mean, he looks the part, he talks the part, he's in the defense industry. Um, he's friends with a lot of the same SEALs that I was friends with. I mean, this guy was going to Navy SEAL Foundation events, Navy SEAL Legacy um, events, right. I mean, funerals of former frogs. Right. I mean, it's so so he literally attached himself to uh, the community by through through a friend of mine named Randy Hunsicker, who was a former frog back in the eighties, and he was um, a second phase buds instructor and. You know, everybody knows Randy, right? Like they're like a lot of the community, a lot of the older frogmen know him. And so it's very easy for him to attach himself and say, Yeah, I'm friends with Randy. And then he's got to try it. And it's like well, nobody's gonna ask questions typically, right? Unless Randy <laughs> went and verified him. Because if you guys don't know, we have we have the ability to be able to verify every single person who either went through buds. For those of you guys who might not know what that is, that's basic underwater sealed, basic underwater demolition demolition seal training. It's the it, you know, a lot of you guys have heard of Hell Week. But it's a selection process to be a SEAL. And we have a database of every single person who's been through the program or went through and, and graduated. What class, yeah. all of that. And so, um, you know, I ended up making friends with Ben and, and I believed he was a SEAL and he was on social media. You know, the guy is shredded. 
he told me by the way he told me he wasn't on steroids that was my first like <laughs> uh, sure about that dude that's funny that was the that is also the first time i started questioning his integrity because i asked him too if he was on trt i didn't say steroids but i was like man because you know the look i mean it just it is and he told me yeah I, you know i'm not that was like two years ago i've been friends with him for a long time too it's so weird and i considered him a friend that's the how long did you know thing about, uh like it was just on it was like 2020 is when he started uh following one of my business pages and just he promoted our product like for free and i was like hell yeah he says he's a former navy seal let's go like sure that's great like run with it the sad thing about the ben thing is he actually is an intelligent guy and it's it's so crazy like the advice he's putting out online was good advice. Like the workout advice, I, I couldn't argue with it. It's stuff like I do. Um, I mean, listen, you, you can't look like Ben, even if you're on steroids, you can't look like Ben if you don't know what you're doing. I mean, he knows what right. he's doing in the fitness realm. He knows what he's doing in the nutrition realm. So I'm not going to take that away from him. Right. Um, that, that's the crazy thing. Like he, he didn't need to do that. He would have been a cool, he, he's cool how he is. Like just a normal Navy vet. That's mm -hmm. fine. Like we had a normal, <laughs> navy vet on the show and we interviewed him like because we thought he was cool it's crazy craig that's exactly what i told him so if you guys heard the video with don shipley so we didn't get to that part yet but don shipley is a he's a former seal who verifies he has a whole youtube around verifying fake navy seals over the past like 15 years i think he's or 13 years he's verified fifty thousand fake navy seals that's insane that is crazy <laughs> yeah he actually told me that <laughs> There was a study that was done, and out of every 250 people that say they're a SEAL, only one was a real Navy SEAL. That's insane. But That's nuts. Like, did, did Don say, like, I don't know why? Like, why is it so common to say your name? That's a lot of people. It's just, it's just the, the, the valor of it, dude. I mean, it's, it's, it's people who think in order for them to have to, to be special, like they have to have that title. It's a, it's a huge insecurity issue. Yeah. Um, you know, and then they, they, they end up projecting that insecurity onto the world by being a fraud being a con man. What is a con man? It's a confident man. I mean, he spoke the part, spoke yeah. the language mm -hmm. and, um, and I could, I could tell you even crazier stories that Don told me about guys who have done the same thing. And, and he was very confident from the beginning. As soon as I called him, I said, Don, I need to verify somebody like, yeah. and he said, what's the story? I told him the story. He goes, yeah, he's, he's fake. And I said, how do you know? Like, Maybe this dude changed his thing. So, <laughs> so the story the story is I had a I had a guy, former frog that I know for 30 years. I served with him. His name was Dan Daly. And he um he just retired and he calls me. He says, Brandon, who's this Ben Daly guy? He has the same last name as me. He says he was was at SEAL Team Five, he's in class one five six. I was at SEAL Team Five in the late eighties, early nineties. I would yeah. know if there was another Daly there. Yeah, he goes, there and there wasn't. And so I said, Dan, maybe he changed his name. I don't know, but the, the dude, I think he's real. You know, he had us all. He had us all fake, dude. It was. Oh, I know, I know. In that that seal mentorship, you guys are growing, doing. Like after, I was kind of held off on asking me to call him because he was one of my friends for three years, my online friend. But like when I saw him on there with you and gosh, who else is in that group? Uh, Sean Madsen. Yep, a lot of studs, man. A lot of, a lot of everybody. Everybody else is verified. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> like you have a guy that's like, you know, uh, he's on that special forces show or whatever. What's his name? Joe Von uh, Corals. Yeah, he's on yeah. world's special forces, world's toughest test. Mm -hmm. So you got an, you got a group of elite guys you brought together, you know, to 
give people some advice and dude ben like infiltrated that it's it's kind of impressive but and all the more crazier it's just the craziest thing about ben is like he wasn't just like the random guy drunk at the bar like yeah i was a seal like you know i get i get that like there's a lot of people like that oh yeah i was a ranger like okay go away like we we know you're not grandpa but like ben was doing it like in real life and really pushing to be like in it like i don't know what, what i don't know what the goal is maybe he wanted to be caught i mean it's like He's pushed no. to an extreme level. He, here, here's my belief. My belief is that things, because he even said it on the call with me and Don Shipley. If you guys want to watch the video, I can send you a link to the video. But he, uh, it's a 20 minute video where Don put all this stuff together about how he was saying he he had been injured and and combat and Desert Storm. And there was only one SEAL team that did Operation Desert Storm. It was a hundred hours. I mean, that was it. It was in and out. And so it wasn't him. Right. I mean, he put up fake, he literally put up fake photos in the 80s of people who were on social media, if you remember, of um, these operators that were operating SEALs on on the boats in the in the in the 80s. And he said uh, it was him. Well, it definitely wasn't him. So so um yeah, so he, go found, on, he found sorry to interrupt, but he found pictures of actual SEAL teams and just said, Yeah, that's me in the picture. Yeah, and that's what I this that's what I that's what I told Don Dale or um uh, my boy, um, you know, Daly, who was an actual 30 year seal. He said, he said, Brandon, you know, those photos are fake. He just, he just looked up what, you know, Navy seals, 1980s and, and, and literally found a couple of photos that might look like him. And I said, do they look like him? And he's like, yeah, I know. He said, my right. wife, she's a, federal, she's a federal investigator telling you they're fake. Wow. And I didn't, I didn't believe him, bro. I didn't want to believe him. So that's why I got Don Shipley involved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don, Don can verify. I mean, that's what he does for a living. Right. Yeah. We, uh, whenever Don, I don't know if he's going to put that video out on YouTube eventually. Is that kind of what he does? Like, private? so you can, you, you can Google right now, Don, uh, Ben Daly, Navy SEAL. It'll pop up. It's the top on the, um, on the Google search. And then there's a, there's a little clip there that will send you to his website so you can watch Don's. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was going to release some clips from that, but I didn't want to take away from, you know, Don's work and let him get all this clicks and views before I kind of throw some stuff out there for my people with him. Don's talking cool, about man. Story. Don's cool. He doesn't care. But here's what I'll tell you guys. I learned a big lesson from this whole, <laughs> this whole thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to trust, but verify, you know, and, and in a world of social media and it's only going to get worse with artificial intelligence, you know, oh. Being able to fake voices, fake what they look like, um, it's right. it's only going to get worse. Now that's where blockchain is going to come in and help out. I think because you have a verified video that you can upload that'll be attached to you, but that's still a little ways eight, a little ways um, out. But I, but but man, from now on, I will verify everything. If you're going into business with somebody and and you're like, should I send money? Should I not send money? verify trust but you might be able to trust somebody but verify their background do a google search on it make sure that they have their the background that they say they're having and they have the track record that they say they're having before you send any funds you know just what should be common sense but it's very easy for these con men these frauds mm. like you said they and they they speak the part they look the part they talk the part and i will never trust somebody again unless i've verified them. <laughs> it's a hard way to be but it's like ah oh, man I, i'm kind of torn on on that because like at some point you do got to kind of trust and take leaps like i mean small leaps not i'm not saying like ruin your life but like having him on the podcast like that was a small thing but for that reason like if i wouldn't have done that i, I probably never would have known 
because I missed your little video. We just happened to follow each other by happenstance. And if you wouldn't have told me, you're the only you're the only reason I know that he got caught as a fake Navy SEAL. So uh, I, it was just it was like the world kind of just brought it to fruition for us here. Yeah, man, going back to that, because I, I didn't finish that. So my opinion on how this all happened, he's been doing this for, for decades, maybe yeah. two, since, maybe since he got out of the military, because you don't, he never went to buds. You don't just swim a side stroke the way that Navy SEALs do. You don't just go and be able to go to the range and shoot, you know, and granted, there were some things where guys are like, you know, is he really a SEAL? Like he, the way he's shooting, but you know, some of these 80 SEALs, they, they weren't trained the way that we're trained today because we have it's just a different world we have a lot more funding they didn't have the funding we had back then so you know yeah. when you operate with some of these third you know 1980s guys you're like not all of them but you're like man that doesn't look like the way that we would do it today so yeah. it's very easy to sneak by but the point is is he spoke the language in the defense industry he he talked about operations tactical knowledge that so he must have been reading the books. He must have been listening to the podcast and 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 being able to not just listen to it, but regurgitate that information. That takes a long time, dude. Oh, yeah. And so he's been doing this for a very long time. And, and yet not only like online, you know, he did it in real life. He would go meet to, um, you know, uh, meet. He, he like that Taylor Kavanaugh guy that was on your podcast. He went to France to meet up with this guy and I probably have dinner and talk the talk and tell the stories and go back. It's, it, the crazy lengths of the story are just wild. He was hanging mm -hmm. out, you know, shaking hands and kissing baby and, and talk, fooling people in person, not just, not mm -hmm. just a few online photos and let me sell my training program. Like he was going to great it got, lengths. It got out of hand for him though. You know, I think he real quick. Once he attached himself to me and then he started attaching himself to other guys on the online community and then he started doing yeah. podcasts, things started accelerating for him. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think he liked buying into his own crest. He liked mm -hmm. the attention that it gave him. He liked feeling that significance of, but let me just tell you, dude, none of you guys on here, it's so crazy how many people I hear, like I should, I, you know, I should have been a Navy SEAL. Who cares? The, first <laughs> off, I'll tell you this. The Navy SEAL does not make the person. The person makes the Navy SEAL. There are mm -hmm. great Navy SEALs and there are dirtbag Navy SEALs. I mean, it's just the reality. So people got to get out of this title mentality of like, you know, mm -hmm. in order for me to feel significant, I sh I need to be a Ranger. I need to be a Marine. I need to be a Navy SEAL. Like, no, you don't. You need to be a good person, a good father. You need to be able to, to lead yourself and lead other people. Most yeah. people can't even lead themselves right. And, and so they're trying to lead their family. Yeah. And they're failing. And, you know, so focus on that. Focus on leading yourself. Self-leadership is the best form of leadership out there. Like lead you first and then, you know, and then you'll be able yeah. to lead other people and you're being a good human being in society. Like that's what life is about. It's not about a title. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's in the Bible, you know, you're not, you put, you're to put no man on a pedestal for anything. I mean, you're in charge of your life and what's around you. I mean, that's what, that's all that matters. That's all that should matter. That, and I mean, if you're into that, to religion, you know, following your, your God or Jesus or whatever. I mean, that, that's, that's how you're supposed to roll. I mean, if you put men on a pedestal, they will let you down. I think the reason that, uh, you know, Navy SEALs are seen in the light that they are, uh, is because, you know, we're taught to look up to soldiers in general, uh, from every branch. Um, and they're kind of, it's kind of romanticized, right? Um, you know, war is yeah. always an emotional thing and, and these guys are heroes, which they are. Um, yeah. And then the Navy SEALs are 
the toughest of the tough, right? right. Um, you know, they are the ones that push past their boundaries and and even um, you know achieve such great physical things. Um, yeah. So you know, we want our heroes to be uh, these big, strong, um, tough guys, and the Navy SEALs are the ones that fit that the best, right? Um, I mean, so, but like, like Brandon said, you know, it's the, uh, you know, it's that, that's the persona of the, the Navy SEALs in general, but there are good and bad. That's the persona of the fake, the fake Navy SEALs. Yeah. Just, just exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just, just remember though, guys, and and you're right. I get it. I was a first phase buzz instructor. I put students through hell week for literally fit like 15 classes of guys through hell week. So I know, you know, I know what it's like. You know, when we're running students behind the boat, Wednesday, we start on Sunday night. If you guys don't know what Hell Week is, we start on Sunday night and um, we do break out at like 9 p.m. The guys don't sleep until typically Wednesday or Thursday. They'll get a couple hours of sleep on Wednesday, a couple hours of sleep on Thursday, and then they finish Friday. And they're constantly moving. Everything is a race. And so by Wednesday, maybe sometimes guys are getting a little bit of swimmer-induced pulmonary edema or, or they get a little bit of pneumonia. And so they're starting to cough up some blood and you know, and if they can't, if we can't, like the whole goal is if they're sat in low, if they're sat in the 78s to lower 90s, our job is to put them behind the ambulance, throw oxygen on them and put them back out there and see if they, if they can continue to perform. And if they can, and they can keep their oxygen levels up, we keep them in the class. If not, then we have to pull them out medically. But my point is, is I know these, yes, seals are hard. There's no doubt about it. But don't forget, seals are human. How many SEALs have you seen that have, have killed themselves? We've had a lot of guys in the community who have killed themselves. And, and and so don't put people on such a high pedestal in life. Yes, look up to them for their discipline or their work ethic or whatever. But you each, every one of you guys can do the same thing if you had a strong enough why on why you wanted to do what you were doing. You know, we're just dumb enough to not want to quit. <laughs> That's all it is. All right. So let's get off this. We'll put that to bed. We're never talking sure. about that dude again. Yeah, Fair. sure. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 yeah, I'm not here to bash him. I'm not right. here to make fun of him. I mean, listen, every one of you guys on this who are listening to this, every one of you guys have a representative of you that that maybe you're not showing the world or you're being a little bit of a fraud to the world as well. And, and, and I right. say that as a coach. A coach tells us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. And I don't mean that in a, in a demeaning way. I just tell you to look inside yourself as well and say, okay, what version of me is showing up into the world that I'm not being 100% true and honest to myself or to other people about myself? And and that's just the reality. We're, nobody's perfect. And I'm not here to bash Ben. And he's got, dude, his wife thinks he was a SEAL. I mean, his job thinks he was a SEAL. I mean, what kind of, imagine the slave that you have to be in life uh, to other people's opinions and, and what they believe you should be or who you should be in order to have to live a life where you're faking and lying about everything that you were. I mean, I honestly feel bad for him and I'm just praying for the dude. That's, that's the truth. Yeah. Us too, man. Uh, we kind of talked about it previous episode. I mean, it's all you can say. It's not, it's really not funny. It's just astonishing. I guess really Mm -hmm. is why we're talking about it. Um, yeah. So let's get off that. Um, your podcast, I've listened to a few episodes. The title of it is journey to win. I kind of want that to be the theme of this episode. And uh, I understand, you know, winning is kind of relative for each phase of your life. And we're kind of going to, let's kind of go through your life and talk about your journey to win. And I think you and your wife have 
by all means, I think you're in a good place right now uh, from what from what you're putting out um, on social media, which that might not, you know, you never know, but yeah. I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust that you are. I, I see your stuff. I see what you're doing. And I think it's really powerful. Like we all know, it's fun to just hit the peaks the journey to win. You know, it's easy to just breeze through and talk about all the, all the peaks, but uh, I mean, we want to get through your story and kind of hear about your journey to win. So, uh, yeah. you tell us a little bit about, um, you said you grew up in, uh, is it Triad High School? And that that is yep. uh is that yep, near small Columbus? School. Small school outside of like Marysville, Ohio. It's in between like North Lewisburg, Mechanicsburg, West Liberty. I don't know if you've heard of all these areas, but yeah. It's kind of just dude, we graduated with like sixty five people or something. I mean, it was small. <laughs> that is small. <laughs> that is but, small. Um, <laughs> so but, yeah, you know, what, what was childhood like for you? What was your family life like and growing up i mean did you have the uh you know the nuclear family or was it what what was it like no man we uh my my parents got divorced when i was in like the first grade so um kindergarten or first grade so really you know my my mom was a single mom who who raised us she was working at honda transmissions on the factory line for you know 20 some plus years i think 28 years before she retired yeah. uh but she um but man i mean babysitters raised me my coaches raised me the you know i was always out playing sports sports raised me i mean i had a bit i have an older brother he's like two and a half years older than me and so we just you know we were always out playing sports and that's really what kept me out of trouble there was a couple instances like going into the seventh grade where i got into um some bad environments and uh you know i almost quit football and and i've told the story before but man i got lucky you know it's it's like sometime god you know, he really, he really takes care of you. And, and I understand that's why there is a little bit of luck in life, but anybody who says they're self-made, I think they're liars. There's always somebody that helped them along the journey. And I had a guy, so, you know, there was a couple of my friends at the time in the seventh grade who were doing drugs and just going to concerts. It was the middle of the summer and I was getting ready to go to seventh grade football practice. And, and I said, nah, I'm not going to play this year. I'm just going to go hang out with friends and go to a concert. And this, this seventh grade coach literally called I was at the pool hanging out with this kid who was really bad influence. And, um, you know, he called my brother and my brother said, Hey, he's across the street at the pool. And he literally came to the pool, picked me up and said, get your ass in the car and drove <laughs> me all the way to, uh, practice. And, and I never looked back, but had I not played, I think I would have gotten the drugs. I mean, that kid right there, you know, he was in and out of drugs. He was in and out of jail um looking back on it so i kind of you know i got lucky because i got put into the right environment put into the right crowd of kids who weren't doing drugs um who were just focused on sports because the crowd the, the 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 class above me was a bunch of druggies and so anyways i mean yeah we were very we were very you know just raised on sports and and we kind of raised ourselves a lot of times because my wife my my mom my wife my mom was <laughs> a she was she was working trying to just support us man that she showed me what hard work was all about wow so uh your dad just wasn't in the picture not really i mean he was but he was you know he's working full time and then i'd see him every once in a while he didn't really start really showing up until um probably my ninth grade and we you know when i started doing well in sports and then he started right. coming you know we didn't we had a rocky relationship until i got into the seal teams probably like like military and um and then he changed a lot because he was very heavily yeah. into alcohol and and um had some things that he did that you know just embarrassed 
embarrassed me as as his son and so i just kind of distanced myself and then and then he changed 100 percent, man and then probably wow. from age 45 to 61 we were really really close and then he died at 61 of a heart attack so like wow you know i'm grateful that we had the relationship that we had and you know life life is life dude you can't i don't get the spirit of offense like a lot of people they hold things against their parents dude we're all just trying to navigate on this spinning thing yeah. in the atmosphere that's <laughs> i mean yeah it's um at some point every like child realizes at some point you know their parents aren't flawless like that just happened to happen to you a little earlier probably uh than most yeah man it did you know and then i joined the navy i wanted to be a navy seal um probably my freshman year i i, I was sitting down i think it was eighth grade or freshman year i was hanging out with my buddy ryan hunt who's a doctor now and he was playing this game called socom yeah, and I remember that. I saw, mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw like a little teaser video. I can't remember how long it was, maybe 10 minutes or something. And they were talking about Hell Week and how it was the hardest, toughest military training in the world. And I was like, I need to, I want, I want to know more about this. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so at the time, I, I wanted to be a doctor, but I also love things that were really hard and challenging. And so um, I did a lot of research on it. And my freshman year, I was literally, I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm going to trained for this and so i was playing football basketball baseball and running track in between baseball games and and we lived out like 30 minutes away from the school i was going to and i said all right i'm gonna wake up in the morning at 5 30 i'm gonna go to the pool and teach myself this side stroke because nobody even knew how to do it you know we had dial up internet back then and so i would like <laughs> dial, dial up on youtube try to find some videos on navyseals.com and find some side stroke videos and i taught myself how to do it through literally showing up in the pool and practicing and then visualizing at nighttime, the techniques before I lay down, laid my head down in bed. And so I had practiced over and over, whether it was visual or through actual, wow. you know, in the water. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I would do that for like a half an hour. So I get to the pool around six, swim till six 30, leave to go to school by like six 45, get there around seven, seven 15. And then I would shoot basketball until we started school. And that was the routine every day. Um, yeah, you really locked on to wow. that idea early. It sounds like, mm -hmm. yeah, man, I was, all, I was all in and I did the, there was a buds warning order that had this, you know, it was like a whole progression of workouts that you would do. And so I did that. And anyways, I, I ended up going to boot camp at, um, um, as soon as I graduated, like six months later, I went to boot camp and I had, you didn't have seal contracts back then. You showed up and you had to volunteer. And then I, I literally show up and I volunteer and they're like, yeah, you don't qualify. Your eyesight's not good enough. And your ASVAB score is not good enough. And I'm like, what? Oh, <laughs> my recruiter, my recruiter told me I was good. He's like, yeah, he lied to you. And so, and so <laughs> oh, we're sitting man. in this, we're sitting in this big auditorium where all the, the guys are showing up and volunteering to go to air crew or swick or buds and so there's two different lines there was a, a buds line and there was a air crew line and i said i'll i qualify to go to air crew i'll just i'll i'll go over there and well what happened was is so the buds line was first air crew line was second we we followed each other i didn't even know what i was doing guys i was just gonna say, i'm just gonna i'd rather do this than not but then there was an there was an opportunity that that as we're go both going to the pool the buds line kept kept I think the buds line kept walking and I kind of snuck in, be in behind with the buds line. <laughs> <laughs> that is wild. I ended up taking the test, the screening test, and I did great, man. I, you know, I crushed the test, and, but I was with another, it's funny how God always, you know, I don't know, it's, he always delivers. So I had a friend who was another follower, another believer, and his, his name was Nick. And um, I, I volunteered, he was my roommate or my bunkmate, whatever you want to say at boot camp. And so 
we took the test together. So we you, you do push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, you swim, and then you run or whatever. And so, but but he was doing a sit-up section. I was holding his feet and he didn't even he didn't do enough sit-ups to pass the test. So I lied for him. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I, gave him like, I gave him like two or three extra mm-hmm. um sit-ups to pass a test. And I'm like, man, this guy can't do this. He's definitely not gonna make it through buds. Um, but whatever, he passed the test, and then I went in and talked to the master chief, and he's like, How did you get over here? I was like, I don't know. They they just they said I was good. <laughs> I was just walking. I was just walking. (laughs) And he goes, yeah, well, they messed up. They shouldn't let you in. But man, you did really good. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but maybe go to your command, go to your A school, so which is hospital corpsman school, go to your command and then tell them you want eye surgery and then retake the ASVAB test. You said, I'm sure you'll do fine. You'll, you'll, they got a great program. And so I did. As soon as I got to the command, I took the ASVAB, did well. And then um, I went and got on the eye surgery list it's a whole story guys it's crazy got an eye surgery list to go to but i was an e nothing in the military if you guys know what that is i mean i i had it would have been taking me three or four years to actually get the surgery and so i just keep putting out in the universe and then i'm and then literally after i went through you know i showed up to my first duty station which is portsmouth hospital i was a putting moms or uh taking care of moms and babies postpartum oh. and um <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> it is. It, is. <laughs> it was. It was definitely weird. It, but it, but it, you know, it fueled my desire to want to be a SEAL because I was like, I do not want to do this. Mm-hmm. I did not know that was a, a Navy job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're a foreman. Right? You're a foreman, so so they're mm-hmm. gonna have foreman do all the the hospital dirty work. Okay. So so, anyways, there was a Master Chief SEAL that came on the ward. I was taking care of his wife, and I told him, I said, Hey, I want to be a SEAL, and he's like, Cool, show don't tell me you want to be a seal prove it to me and so he's like come tomorrow and work out with all my new guys he was uh um you know he had a bunch of new guys that just graduated um buds and crazy enough you know i would work from 7 p.m to 7 a.m i'd show up in the morning i'd work out with those guys from like you know 8 a.m or 8 30 a.m until 9 30 or 10 and then he'd make me stay until 12 or 1 cleaning stuff up and just doing dirty work just to see if i really wanted it Mm-hmm. Then I go back home that day, sleep a little bit, and then do it all over again. Um, he just te- he was testing me, and then you know three months later, four months later, he got me on the eye surgery list, and I got eye surgery, and um, he got me orders to go to buds. Yeah, pulled wow. some strings, pulled some strings for you, that's for sure. And then during that time, I found out that 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 guy that I helped with his sit ups, he became a seal, he made it through. All that's right. Awesome. <laughs> you don't have to be you don't have to be Mr. Daly physical specimen <laughs> to get through. You just have to be dumb enough not to quit. You have to you have to want it bad enough. Yes, there you, there's physical and there's a physical standard. You have to meet the standard for sure. But okay. you can build you, you know, just because you couldn't pass the sit-ups there. I mean, you're gonna be able to to build up to it, you know, over time. So he was able to pass it clearly. It seems like it seems like you're your story is a lot of, uh, you know, you were in the right place at the right time and you took advantage of an opportunity. It <laughs> seems like that's kind of a recurring theme in your life where, uh, you know, you hit a wall and then you just kind of work through it. Uh, you catch a break and you grasp onto that break and take it to the next level. I think there's right place, right time, but I think it's like preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Cause I yeah. never gave up, dude. You got to keep right. in mind, like after all that stuff that was happening, like I kept, I'd stayed, so, I believed 100% I was going to butt. You wouldn't have got a chance 
to you know they wouldn't have cared if you barely passed the PST or is that what it's called <laughs> PST There's your training part. test yeah. you know if you didn't show up there prepared and you know dominate it they wouldn't have cared they'd be like get out of here dude like you barely made it anyway you're not gonna make it I didn't if I didn't jump the line, <laughs> how many people would how many people would have just sat in their chair and not even the air crew thing? Yeah, and then went yeah. from the air crew thing, they would have just went to the air crew thing because they can't go to yeah, the butt Right, that Shuffle. door's closed. I'm not going to try to sneak in. Yeah. That was a pretty hard move by you, man. What, were you like 18 at the time or 19? I was just, you know, you're 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 a little bit, um, I guess, <laughs> I don't know, naive. Naive is a great word. You're naive enough. To believe to you're going to make it happen regardless of what is tossed at you and and i think that there's power in that you know i think every one of my friends who who's made a lot of success in their life they've had a little level of naive naivety however you say that word um yeah and believing until it happens right you know just like ben yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think there's there's a difference between believing and lying yeah. <laughs> i do believe that some people if you guys are listening to this the, the word believe it's be lie sometimes you have to mm -hmm. in order to become the version of yourself that you need to become you need to lie to yourself not to other people that's where ben messes up you need to yeah. you need to lie to yourself that you already are that person yeah. until you become it right in my opinion so um you get to buds i mean i asked ben this question too but i actually want to hear a real answer i mean what was your was there ever a moment during buds that you thought about quitting? Like what was the hardest, your hardest moment really? I guess it's a, it's a long process, but how, and how long does it last? I mean, we don't really know that either. Buds is six months, 26 weeks. Um, first phase. I mean, like I said, I put 15 classes through first phase. So you're, um, you know, it's, we call it three weeks and a long day. So you got three weeks of, it's not one event that gets you guys. I mean, it's just, Anybody can make it through really one day of training. A lot of, not anybody, but most people, um, you know, it's the daily grind that gets you. I mean, you, you wake up completely sore and you know, you're going to get your key, your, your, your teeth kicked in tomorrow. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to do it anyways. It's just like being an entrepreneur. A lot of times, like, you, you know, that tomorrow you're going to get you, you're going to have some things that happen that that you don't want to have happen but you you show up anyways no matter what maybe you can't make payroll and you know and you're trying and you're you're scared and struggling but you know you got to show up anyways and so anyways it's not the day it's not one thing that typically gets people it's just a daily grind and they start thinking too far ahead and they say i can't do this for another six months i can't do that i, I gotta go into hell week so for me do, did I ever think about quitting? I think anybody is a liar if they say that, that they didn't think about quitting. I think it, nobody, it, what went through my head all the time was, man, this sucks. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be doing this stuff. I don't want to be doing this. Basically, I don't want to be doing this shit. Like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you always look forward to what's next. You're like, well, you know, I don't, I'm doing this right now, but, you know, this can only last for another hour or two hours. So we'll do something different here soon whatever right and so in hell week i'd say the only the, the worst part for me was like thursday morning believe it or not thursday morning was like it was freezing it was like it, beginning of november and that was my lowest of lows and and they told us to hit the surf as as we're sitting at this thing called camp surf and there was no heat i mean you're you're cold to the bone mm -hmm. and um and then you got to go get wet after you've been a little bit dry for a little while and that's, you know, but what do you do? 
you say this sucks, I'm just going to go do it, get it over with and come back. And we're going to do something different here in a little bit. So you kind of break it up into like Dean Carnazes when he ran 350 miles, he broke it up from telephone pole to telephone pole to telephone pole to telephone pole. Well, typically we, we would break it up from breakfast to lunch, from lunch to dinner, from dinner to midnight and so on and so forth until it ends. Right. And if things got too hard, you just say, okay, this evolution sucks. I just got to make it to the next evolution. This evolution sucks. Just got to make it to the ev next evolution, which will get me to lunch. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's typically how it's broken down. But yeah, I mean, I think everybody thinks about quitting. It's just, we're not, you know, I would, in my mind, first thing that I would say is what would they think back home? Yeah. I'm not going to mm -hmm. let my reputation be a quitter. Not going to happen. So I'd rather die than quit. But it is what it is. Yes, I don't want to be doing this. Yes, I'd rather quit, be sitting around a fire, be warm and having a coffee, you know, or chasing, you know, back then, chasing girls out in San Diego. But I'm not going to do it. You know, I'd rather stay here and do what it takes to win. And that was winning to you at, at the time. Mm -hmm. Winning to you is being Navy SEAL. Is that fair to say? Yeah, of course. And, and winning and winning, like you said, winning is different every season of your life. Back then, I just wanted to be a SEAL. Well, guess what? When you become a SEAL, what's next? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was going <laughs> to ask you next. Eh? <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, now you got to go to SEAL Team 6. And when you get to SEAL Team 6, you're like, now I got to be a team leader. There's always another. So my, my, my point in life is, you know, it, in order to win, I think that um, it's all about a state of mind. I think, you know. I've been happy broke. I've been happy with money. And it's really just a state of mind of where you're at. I think you should continue to be growing, but you should trade like Tony Robbins says, you should trade expectation for appreciation. You should be appreciative of where you're at, not comfortable or complacent. You should always want to be growing because life's about growing and giving. And uh, if you're not doing those two things, you're probably not going to feel like you're moving the ball forward. But at the same time, I'm extremely grateful for where I'm at. You know, I, like I am, bro, when I was a first phase budget instructor putting students through Hell Week, financially, I was broke. I started in the direct sales industry within two and a half years. I was making more money than generals part-time around my very busy schedule. I don't say that to brag. I say that because I went from broke to making a lot of money. And to me, both were winning. It was just winning in a different area. Mm -hmm. And... um. And, and I was happy on both sides. You know what I mean? It, it, money doesn't make you necessarily happier. It helps you. It helps out because of the stress. Maybe it can relieve some stress for you. But at the same time, I know miserable millionaires who mm -hmm. commit suicide. And I know completely happy um, people who live in poverty. I mean, yeah. it's all a state of mind. I, I, I agree. I mean, I don't find, I mean, the dollars are nice, but... If you're winning alone, I mean, that's a pretty unfulfilling life. Um, yeah. So, so kind of just walk, I mean, I guess to, well, how, how did the rest of your Navy career kind of go? You said you were a buds instructor. How did it start off? I mean, obviously you had to do well to be asked to do that. Um, well, I mean, the way that being a buds instructor works at first phase, at least is, um, you know, they, they, somebody usually recommends you. And then if you um, are, I guess, introduced to it, they, they take your name and they send it around all the guys at first phase and they make sure that you're somebody because at first phase, you got to be much more professional than you do in, in certain other phases. Because, right. um, you know, as an instructor in first phase, there's a lot of, there's a lot of eyeballs 
you know, I mean, there's, you're playing students through hell week. I mean, when the numbers are not good, meaning 19 people make it through hell week. And what do you think is going to happen? There's going to be people that are coming down, looking saying, Hey, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. What? Like, like we need more seals. Is that what they're saying? Or, or- they're always trying to raise the number dude, but, yeah. but we're not, but we have a standard in place for a reason and it's protected, which is pretty awesome that they've done such a great job of protecting that standard. But yeah. There's always pressure, right? To um, to try to get more guys in the pipeline, and well, so I guess sorry to cut you off there. Are you seen as kind of like a coach as the instructor? Um, so then it would be more of like a I guess yeah. why are you letting these guys fail um, and not getting them to the standard? You're not you're not necessarily a coach. I mean, you're you're hard on them. Okay, but they want they want you to be hard but fair. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That should be hard but fair. And and I think that that's a good standard. Hard but fair. It's like there's a, there's something called instructor drift. And if you um, you know, one class might be a faster class, or or they might have a lot more people in that class that can just do better than the other class, right? And so mm-hmm. maybe your standard with this class is different than this class. And they just want to make sure that guys are professional enough to um to be able to understand and be able to adapt through that process and i get it makes sense i mean you know i had a question um what you got some did you develop some really good ways to just weed people out like what what was the i don't know what was some of your go-tos on that you don't have to the process weeds people out really the process, the process is the process like i said it's not the it's not one evolution that gets them it's the daily grind that gets them, mm-hmm. you know and it's the standard the standard is the standard so you know if they are not meeting the standard naturally they're going to catch the attention of the instructor staff right yeah so if they and if they have too many incidences where they're more about the individual than the team well then we'll pull them out and we will you know do a this like a review board performance review board and see where they stand and we can pull, pull them for performance yeah for Know what I mean? Sorry, I'm trying to mess with my wife because my charger's my, my computer's dying. <laughs> oh, the computer's dying. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> I I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> a few times. <laughs> a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. We're um, good. We got, we got we got some time. We got some juice coming. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I was going to ask you that too. At what point, you know, did you find your wife? It's pretty important significant uh event it's man's biggest decision i in my opinion that you can make yeah so i was at um still team two she was bartending out in virginia beach and i had friends that knew her like in the like one of my friends parker um he was he was in the bartending industry and we were really close and and i met my wife at at the bar and i said who's that and he kind of just he said you know she's he basically told me that she's not going to want to be with me because she's she's her standards too high that's basically what he told me i was like wow <laughs> thanks Wait, thanks so was, thanks. was parker a, a team guy as well or no but he hung out with all of us and i was like wow thanks for your uh you know your confidence in me my friend i really <laughs> challenge accepted right yeah it's a challenge <laughs> man and she's rude because she's super witty you know anyway she she's so <laughs> So we met first, first date. So I, I told her, I said, you know, we're going to go skydiving, you know, um, tomorrow. And then, you know, we'd love to have you come. And then she ended up not being able to come. And then 
but we kept in touch the next week we literally went skydiving and um you know i didn't i wasn't actually able to jump with her that day but i went down there with her and then the second time we the second date was rock climbing and i was like oh this chick's cool so you know yeah i ended up locking it down and asking to marry me within like four months oh wow fast yeah you know i knew i mean i've dated a lot of people Mm -hmm. so you know you do yeah but you went skydiving for the first date i mean you just kind of you move pretty quick. That's a heck of a first date. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I we went skydiving, went rock climbing. I, I, I took her around the guys and the guys liked her. You know, they, she could handle the, um, I guess, you know, the, the, the pressure that they put on people. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, this chick's cool. So, anyways, we, yeah, I got, we got married in four months. And then, when uh, was this? That- what year, what years, are, where are we at in the timeline here? Uh, got married in August of 2011 and then I went to Afghanistan and um, I don't even remember like January. Yeah. January of 2012 went to, went to Afghanistan. Oh, wow. And then came back and her and I um, went out to Germany. I was stationed in Germany as a European country officer working with different um, just, you know, partner development relationship development programs out there with all the different European stuff, Norwegians, uh, Germans, I was more in charge of the Eastern Bloc, the Polish Grom, um, you know, Lithuanians, all those guys. So um, met a lot of really cool people, did a lot of a lot of really cool things. That was the first time where we got a um, a one weekend vacation, you know, because I was, you know, I'd went, I was operating for five, five and a half, six years at that point. Like I went to Iraq, Afghanistan nonstop and then met her, got married, went to Europe. And I was like, wow okay, I actually get to travel around Europe and enjoy Europe. Like this is what life is supposed to be like. Homo and skiing in the Alps all the time. And, and so that was, that was really the first time where I remember driving down we were driving down to Lake Como on our anniversary. And I said, we're going to build a lifestyle one day to where we can just go do whatever we want, whenever we want, have the money. Cause I saw people in Europe who were doing that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, they're no, they don't work harder than I am. They're not that smarter than I am. Maybe they are, but they're just probably in a faster financial vehicle. I mean, the military is great, but it's not a fast financial vehicle. Um, right. So I said, one day we're going to, we're going to make enough money to where we can just go do this whenever we want. And crazy enough, as always God delivers, you know, um, a couple years later in 2015, when I finally get out the buds and I'm putting students through a whole week, I got introduced to direct sales industry, started working, working full-time on my job in the military and part-time on my direct sales business. We built a, a great team. You know, we were doing, you know, over a million a month in, in sales and just that making more money than generals was making like net income. And, um, 2018 came along and I said, dude, I'm getting out. Like I'm tired of the politics. I'm tired of, mm-hmm. you know, just, there was, a lot, there was a lot. So we got out. What, what were you selling? What was, and, and I guess, you know, was it something you're passionate about or how did that, how did that come about when you're a busy guy, uh, yeah. full, full-time I- job? What, what is, what brought that on to you? Yeah, I don't think that you're, you, you, you know, you make, you make it to any level of height if you're not going to be passionate about something. I mean, you could sell something. Sure. But anyways, yeah, <laughs> I was passionate about it because I could build a team. And the reality is you're only going to make money if your team's, if your team's producing. And so your ability to not only just lead yourself, but also lead your team, you know, self-leadership, as I said earlier, is the best form of leadership, but a lot of people out there, they lead their team, 
you know, and real estate and direct sales and whatever, solar or MLM or whatever, and insurance. And they can go out there and lead a team, but they're capped because they can't lead themselves effectively. So when I started taking a lot of the money that I was making and reinvesting into me, reinvesting into my wife for self-leadership purposes to help grow us, we were not only able to grow our self-leadership, but we were also able to naturally just grow our ability to lead other people effectively because when you lead you, it naturally pulls up your ability to lead others. Mm -hmm. uh, it right. raises right. that lid. So yeah, I mean, you know, I was passionate about it because I could help. The more I helped other people, service to many leads to greatness. The more I could help other people win, the more I would win naturally. So I loved it. Yeah. Well, what, what were you, what was your team selling? That's kind of what I was trying to ask. They were selling supplements. So my wife still does it. You know, I'm, I'm doing some other things. I still help out here and there, but um, I got multiple, multiple other businesses that I'm running, but yeah, she runs a direct, it's a, it's a network marketing business that's focused on um, mental wellness through the gut brain access. So they have products that all focus on targeting the gut, the microbiome in the gut where 90% of your serotonin and dopamine is produced. And so if, if you can, a lot of times, you know, we take caffeine. Caffeine is great, right? right? But it's hitting the it's only hitting the the leaves of the tree. If you want to get to the root, you got to get to the microbiome. And that's what they believe in. And so that's the products that she promotes. Okay. So you get so you decide you want to leave the military. Was that was that a hard choice for you? Or is that just the moment that you decided to change your definition of winning? It wasn't really that hard for me. I think I got senioritis. When you start making money and you have options, yeah, you know, things start opening up and you start, it's like, it's like the matrix, right? Like you're, you're living in a matrix of a world that you only know because that's all I've done. I mean, I was in the military at 19 years old. And then when I started making money, this whole new, you know, it's like, I took the different pill and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh hold, on, hold on. And I was already teaching. And I was already teaching people and doing going to seminars of growth and all these successful millionaires talking about how if you want to be if you want to do what's normal and live a mediocre life, then just do what's normal. Do what the normal people do and you'll have normal results. And I don't mean that in a derogatory stance. It's just the reality. 95% of the population are going to struggle. They're going to live paycheck to paycheck because they they do what society tells them to do. You know, they go broke trying to look rich. You know, they they go get the mortgage. They go get the, they, they, they pay for the boat they can't afford. They pay for the car they can't afford. They, they do all this stuff, right? And so long story short, I wanted to be the opposite. I said, if I can just do what the five percenters are doing, I can find out what they're doing. And man, once I started finding out what they were doing, it unlocked a whole different paradigm for me. I said, man, this is like the opposite of everything that I've ever believed. The opposite of all the beliefs of money that I've had. And, uh, it just unlocked a whole new world for me. So what would be your advice kind of to somebody trying to flip the switch and, you know, make more money and get out of the trading your hours for time? Is it, is the, is the vehicle sales? Is that, is that what you guys kind of figured the out? Vehicle, and the vehicle could be anything. I mean, it could be real estate. It could be any business, anything. It's just, you need to find people. You need to, you need to find people that have the results that you're looking for in your life. And you need to go do what they do. You do what they do. You have what they have. If you listen to your, no offense, your brother or your best friend, you're the average of the five people you hang out with the most, right? Financially, emotionally, 
you know, so if I'm spiritually, so if I'm going to try to elevate my income, I need to elevate my circle of influence, the circle of people I'm hanging out with. So I went out and found people that the, the guy I was hanging out with, he was making the month he, I met him, he made $800,000 that month. So I said, cool, if I just do what he does, maybe I'll have a little bit of what he has. And not only was he making the money, but he had the lifestyle because to me, lifestyle is most important. I want time and money. I don't want to just have to, you know, be the definition of an entrepreneur and and go, you know, make make a million dollars and have to go reinvest nine hundred ninety thousand of it or or a million, you know, million plus and then have to be struggling, scared. If that's you, great. I'm not here to bash. I'm not here to. This is just my beliefs. Yeah, winning is different for everybody. I mean that. Don't get that wrong. I mean, it change it changes for everybody too. So so what can they what do they need to do? They need to find people who have the results they're looking for and 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 go do yeah. what they go do what they do in that area. Just because they're successful in business doesn't mean you need to listen to them for everything. For, for marriage. Yeah. <laughs> that's simple. I think that's really simple but good advice. I mean and, and the thing is a lot of people, you know, overcomplicate winning, I guess. Maybe they have a complicated definition that you know could really be dumbed down. Yeah, I think winning is, it's not that complicated. People do overcomplicate it. I think most people don't even know what winning is for themselves because they don't even ask themselves the question of what is winning to me. They just fall into the daily habitual life of going to job, showing up, doing what they're supposed to do. I get it. You know, life is, it's challenging. You got kids, you got all this stuff happening and that's great. But sometimes you have to ask yourself, okay, when am I going to awaken from the matrix and and ask myself some tough questions because the quality of our life is a direct reflection of the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves or most likely don't ask ourselves. So what, what would you say winning is to you, you know, now in this current stage of your life, you know, you're, you're in. Yeah. I mean, we're winning, dude. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I feel like I've been winning my whole life because it doesn't matter financially anything like that. But yeah, I mean, I think winning to me in this life, in this stage is I have two girls um, it's really being able to lead myself effectively to make sure that I am the best example because they will marry the version of me, right? right? And so I'm an alcoholic or if I'm, you know, angry all the time, or if I am, you know, cursing in front of them, then most likely they're going to find a guy that's just like that. So I got to be the example. I can't just tell them later on what they need to do or who they need to find. I got to show them what it's like by being the example with their mom, like loving on her, showing them what it's like to be a good husband and, mm -hmm. and naturally, you know, it's like, I teach my team, dude, people do half of what you do right. And twice of what you do wrong. You can tell them all day long that they need to do this or that, but they're watching you. And it's, it's a simple, basic principle. But the reality is, is that you, you have to be, you know, the version of you that, that, you want them to become. And so long story short, I think, yeah, I think winning to me is, is just being the best version of myself so that they can um, eventually marry a better version of me, hopefully. <laughs> it's like the girl dad syndrome. I feel like you're speaking right through me because I have two girls and that's kind of shifted my mind to that. Literally, I'm the example. I'm the father to two eventually going to be young women like you know you are the example and it, it, it's a it's a huge shift uh, jake jake's rocking three boys over there i don't know yeah. <laughs> if that's the same kind of uh feeling but it's a great responsibility being a girl dad it's crazy for me it's it's i'm not i'm not um you know 
they're not going to marry someone like me. They're going to become me, right? Or at least the versions of me uh, that they see as as winning, right? They're going to try to emulate that, right? Um, so I mean, it kind of goes back to what Brandon said earlier about um, you know surrounding yourself with good people. I have to be the good person that my boys want to be, right? Yeah, yeah. I got I got five minutes, but you know, for you, uh, Jake. I mean, at the end of the day, you're you're yes, your your sons are going to become you know a lot like you in many different ways, right? Mm-hmm. My, um, my challenge for you, and I'm, and I'm sure you're already not doing it, but my challenge for all the, I guess, fathers who are raising boys on here is that most people like to raise their kids the way that their fathers raised them, or they'll bring their baggage, their, their emotional baggage of their relationship with their father into the relationship with their boys, meaning they don't want to hug on them. They don't want to love on them. They don't want to praise them because their father never did it to them. My challenge is to you is to everybody on this this podcast is to get bigger than the problems to get bigger than the emotional challenges that you have with your parents. Like that's where to me, true winning will be for, for all of you guys listening to this because your kids are going to win at a higher level now. Yeah. That's really good advice. I think so too. Well, Brandon, we appreciate you coming on brother. Uh, I think it was a really good conversation. I love your definition of winning. If people want to find you on social media, and uh, your website, could you kind of plug your stuff and let them know how to reach you? I also highly recommend Brandon's podcast, Journey to Win. Uh, he's got some really good episodes on there. I listened to a few, and uh, he's kind of preaching the same stuff here that he talked about on this show on there. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Just go to brandonthornhill.com. Everything is on there. Um, Instagram's at the Brandon Thornhill. But, um, but yeah, you know, you guys, brandthorner.com has everything on there. And then you can even find my podcast on there, all of it. So, hey, when I come out to Ohio, guys, we'll have to link up for sure. Yeah, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely, Brandon. Well, thank you for your time, brother. And thanks for being on. All right, guys. Cheers. Hey, see you, man. Thanks. <laughs>